Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Uh, last week, how many of you, how many people were here last week? How many of you were here last weekend for a service? Okay, most of you, that's good. Um, last week, I was really excited because we rolled out the vision for the next few years at the Summit Church. We rolled out what we feel like God is speaking to us to do and where we're going. And I was really, I'm, I'm, I was really, I, I, I was excited then, but I'm still excited now. So that has not worn off this week. Um, but we started a series called Imagine. And we're stepping into this process where we're saying, God, we're imagining big things from you for us in the next few years. Not just for us as a church, but for us as a community, for this town, for this city, for this region. We believe God's got some incredible things in store for us. And there's a passage of scripture. It's from Ephesians 3.20. In the message version, it says this. It says, God can do anything far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. A few years ago, I had a dream. If you, if you saw our vision video, you, you, you heard this, but I had a dream a few years ago, and I was sitting at dinner, and Jesus and I had just finished our meals up, and Jesus ate the kosher dish. He didn't eat, um, you know, he didn't eat any pork, so he had beef or, you know, fish or whatever. But we finished our meal, and Jesus pushed the plates to the side, and he leans forward, and he said, I can do abundantly more than you ask or imagine. And through my life over the last few years, there's been some times when I thought, oh my gosh, this is what God was talking about. And I'll be honest with you, the, the, my former church was a, a much larger church than the summit. And when I got to that church, I was kind of bright-eyed and I thought, oh my gosh, this is what God was talking about. But I realized now that that is not what God was talking about. The, the abundantly more than I can ask or imagine is being unfolded in front of us at the summit today. That God is doing abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. It's crazy to see some of the things that have happened and how God is, is impacting the people in our church. And last weekend, I spent a fairly good portion of our message talking about finances. And we had 11 people make decisions for Christ last weekend, which is crazy to me because I spent half the message talking about finances and they still felt the Holy Spirit speak to them. And they were like, man, I got to make a decision for Christ, which is incredible. That's a God thing. Okay. That is not a male thing. That's a God thing. God is at work doing incredible things. So let me just Run down, for those of you who weren't here, I want to run down a few things real quickly that we feel like God is speaking to us to do over the next two years. If you're not on social media, on our website, we've got our vision video that we shared last weekend. I want to encourage you to go find that. We'll post it on our social media sites uh, this week as well. Uh, share those, take a look at it. But let me share this with you. Over the next two years, as a church, we're going to more than triple what we give away to missions. So over the next two years, we're, we're going to spend a million dollars or over a million dollars toward local missions, national missions, international missions. And so what that means is over 20% of our budget over the next two years is going to be spent outside of our church on ministry, away from us. And that's pretty incredible. That is a big deal because there's a lot of churches that don't spend 2% of their budget outside of their church. Um, but we're going we're gonna to be effectively spending 20% of everything that brings in on people outside of our church, which I'm excited about. Um, we're going to be helping with local projects like Seeds of Faith building a new school. We're going to help them do that. Um, we're, we're helping um, missionaries with big projects they have. If you remember Blake and Katie Edgman were here a couple weeks ago from Ireland, it would have been so cool uh, if we could have, if we were in the middle of this thing to be able to say, hey, you know what, you need $30,000, we're going to write you a check for that. We'll just take care of it, go back to Ireland now. You don't even have to travel for the next few months and raise money. We're just going to do that for you. And those are the kind of things we're looking at doing. Um, one of the things we're excited about is planning a pastor's conference that we're going to host here at the summit for pastors who are bivocational, that maybe they, have, they work 40 or 50 hours a week at a real job and then they come and do ministry as well. 
well and they're trying to love on their congregation and preach a message and take care of all the people in their church. And it is exhausting for those guys because they're trying to do it all. And so what we're going to do is host a pastor's conference for guys that are bivocational or in rural settings that are tough. And we're going to bring them in and just encourage them and bless them and equip them and give them tools they need and send them out. And we're going to build the kingdom that way. We're also going to be starting a new church uh, by the end of 2017. And our goal is to start a new church at least every other year after that for the foreseeable future. Uh, we're going to be planting churches that will be autonomous. We're also going to be starting churches that will be an extension of the summit, that they will be a multi-site or they will be a site of us, uh, that we're going to have full kids ministry just like we have here, full worship just like we have here, except we won't have Tiffany Thurston with us every weekend at one of our other sites. I wish we would, but we don't. Um, you pray with me, maybe we'll get her to move here from Hawaii. Um, so uh, maybe not, but God can do anything abundantly more than we ask or imagine, right? So hey, um, but we're going to have multiple locations that they're going to do church just like we do because there are communities all over this area that desperately need life-giving churches. Not because nobody does it as good as we do, but God has positioned us with resources to be able to take our church to other places. So we feel like that is one of the things God is calling us to do. And then the last thing is that we're, we're going to be building about a 20,000, almost a 20,000 square foot youth and kids facility. It's going to go on the back of our current building. It's going to be state of the art. It's going to be incredible. There's not going to be anything like that in this region anywhere. So God is giving us tools and giving us the ability to reach people in incredible ways. So what this is going to do is allow us to reach more kids, more teenagers, more adults than ever before, because as we're doing that, we're also going to expand our auditorium. We're going to be able to seat almost 900 people in this room in one service. So we're going to be able to reach more people than ever before. And the reason we feel like we have to do this is um, our kids' ministry is crazy packed on Sunday mornings, uh, even Saturday nights. There's some rooms that are pretty full. Uh, man, Wednesday nights in the youth room upstairs, it is totally packed. And it, 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 things have been full since we got here. But even our auditorium is starting to get fuller. So that's why we had to do Saturday nights. That's why we expanded the parking lot, is to give us more space in the interim. So the truth is, we got to do something, and we've got to act now. The vision of our church is every life made different. Um, the T-shirts are available in the bookstore, as a matter of fact. Go buy a T-shirt and wear it all the time. Wear, do me a favor, though. Buy multiple T-shirts and wear them. Don't wear the same one all the time. That's just gross, okay? Um, but buy the T-shirt, wear it around. We want people to know that this is not about just us having a building. This is not about just us doing uh, something cool that we feel like we want to do. This is something that God is leading us to do to see every life that we come across changed. Not every person that comes through our door. We want them changed, too. But we want every person that you come across, we want their lives to be impacted because you are the church. The Holy Spirit resides in you, not in this building. So we want this church to impact our world. We want to see every life made different. One of the things I talked about last week, that's right, if you were here last week, you'd know that uh, I'm a fantastic artist, and some of you were begging me to draw some more today. So I will. You're welcome. Um, what we've seen is that as a church, um, we feel like God has given us a huge vision, a God-sized vision. And as a church, we're doing about that much of the vision. And there's nothing wrong with what we're doing. We're doing great things, but we feel like God has got so much more in front of us, so much more to do that we're not doing. And we want to say, God, how can we accelerate that? How can we do what you're calling us to do? So what we feel like God is calling us to do is say, hey, this is, this is our normal giving. This is our normal budget. Normal ministry over a course of a year is, is about a million dollars comes in, which is a lot of money. But what we feel like God is speaking to us to do is say, hey, we want you to take a step of faith and go up. So now we're going to have our normal two-year budget. This is $2 million. The M stands for million. Uh, so that'll be $2 million. But then we feel like God is saying, hey, 
take a step and do an extra $3 million over the next two years. So total, it'll be $5 million that will come into the church over the next two years, but $2 million of that is our normal ministry expense. If we didn't do anything else, that $2 million is already what we're going to do. Does that make sense? So what we feel like God is speaking to us to do is going to require us to do $3 million more. Now, if you look here, what we're going to do is say, okay, this is how we're going to fund it. We're going we're to do what God is asking us to do. We're going to take a step in faith toward that. But if you look, there's still a big gap between what God is calling us to do and what we're currently doing. So the good news is there's room for us to grow into what God is calling us to do. The, the bad news, if you're somebody who hates giving, is that um, there's, there's always going to be more giving to do. And this is the thing. Uh, this might sound hateful, and I don't want it to sound hateful. There are churches you can go to that will never ask you for a penny, ever. They will never talk to you about giving. They will never talk to you about uh, investing into God's kingdom. And, and there are lots of churches like that. But I can tell you, they're probably not doing a whole lot for God. Um, I don't mind saying, hey, if you invest in this church, we're going to do huge things for God. We're going to impact people's lives in, in incredible ways. And so what we see here is, hey, we're doing about $2 million now. We're going to increase that. We're going to see more. And so what we've done is we've said, hey, instead of having all these different accounts and all these different funds for all these different things, and we're asking you, hey, give here and give here, and don't forget about this one here as well, and we got to give toward this. What we're saying now is, hey, don't do all that. We're going to have one fund. We're going to have one budget. It's going to meet every need because our church has one vision, and that vision is every life made different. And so what we're asking you to do is just believe in the vision. So seed into that vision because everything we do is about seeing every life made different. We just spent two days here in this room with more estrogen than you can imagine. I mean, the place was like neck deep in estrogen. Why did we do that? Is it because uh, my wife has an ego? No. Is it because we like seeing our friends so we fly them in? No. It's because we want to see people's lives transformed by the power of God. We want to see every life made different. So the women's ministry is about every life made different. Our kids' ministry is about every life made different. Even our building is about every life made different. So instead of saying, hey, we're going to give to all these things, we're going to say, hey, we're going to have one fund to, to meet the singular vision we've got. So we're asking people to give right here. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that's great. What if I don't give? And that's okay. Um, what happens in church a lot of times is pastors will say things like, uh, if you don't give you need to start giving 10% of your income. And right then, if you don't give, you go, <laughs> I don't think so, right? And I'm just being honest with you because I've been there. And you go, uh, I'm not going to start giving 10% because I can't take a 10% pay cut every week, okay, pastor? Like you don't, I'm, I'm living paycheck to paycheck, which I totally get. Statistically, a whole bunch of us in this room do. So I'm not even asking you to start tithing. This is what I'm saying, though. If, if you are a person in our church that doesn't give anything, that you come to church every week, maybe a couple times a month, but you've never given anything. We're not asking you to become a tither. We're asking you to take a step of faith and say, God, I trust you enough that I'm going to start giving something to you. And you become a first-time giver. Whatever it is, you drop it in the offering box as you go out the door. You just trust God and say, okay, God, I'm going to begin to trust you. Maybe you've given before. We're asking you to become an occasional giver. Start, start giving with more regularity. Just, just trust God. Say, hey, you know what? i got a five in my pocket. I'm going to trust God with that. And just see what God does. Maybe you've given a few times. Take that next step and become an intentional giver where you'll say, God, I'm going to give less than 10%, but every week I'm going to give a percentage to you. I'm going to, I'm going to sow seed into the church and just see what happens. Maybe it's 2% or 5%, 7%. It's less than 10, but it's a percentage. 
This is an intentional giver. So again, maybe you're there. We want you to take a step and just say, hey, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to give 10% and see what happens. If you're here and you've been living here, what we're asking you is to take the next step. And to be honest with you, in my family, we kind of live right in this area somewhere. We're not, I wouldn't say we're extravagant. We're giving more than 10%, but we're not extravagant. But this is a challenge we feel like God has spoken to us, and we're taking a big step. We're taking the step to say, hey, we're going to be an extravagant giver. We're not, we're not going to give 12%. We're, we're going to give a lot more than that because we feel like God is speaking to us to do that. So what we're asking our church to do is just say, hey, we're going to take a step of faith, just like our church is doing. We're saying, hey, God, we're going to take a step of faith. So that's what we're doing, and this is how we're going to fund this thing. This is how it's going to work moving forward because the truth is a lot of us don't realize um, it's fun to live here. It is really cool to live in this area here. Um, when, we, when I lived down here, before you get to this step here, the floor represents financial bondage. It represents fear. It represents maybe some depression. Marital strife happens down there when there's money pressures. Up here, this is financial freedom. This is being able to sleep at night knowing you can pay your bills. And it's not because you paid God off. I'm going to give him his 10%, so now he's got to take care of me. It's about our hearts being aligned with God. And God does amazing things when we begin to sow seed into his kingdom. As a matter of fact, I want to show you a quick video of a testimony of somebody in our church that, that can attest to this very thing. So why don't you roll that video? I'm Donna Boffman. This is my husband, Bill, and we've been coming to the summit for almost two years now. I was working as a geologist for approximately eight years for an oil and gas exploration and production company. And in June of last year, I got a notice from my boss to come see him in his office. And when I did, I was told that they were terminating their drilling program and that my job was going to be uh, I was going to be laid off within three months. When he came home and, and told me that he was going to be losing his job in three months, I think a big part of um, me, I was in denial because three months seemed so far away and there had been talk um, on and off about it, but it just didn't seem like it would really happen because he'd always provided for our family and he'd always worked so hard and I just thought how could they possibly get rid of him. Initially I was very optimistic that I would find work and I did the normal send out resumes and I actually had some several interviews um, even completed the civil service exam looking for a new position and none of those opportunities came through for me and so I was starting to get a little bit discouraged but all the time we just continued to pray about it and after the three-month period, grace period was up, I still didn't have a job. He said, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little scared, Don. He said, I, I turn away people like me all the time, resumes like mine, because he was 55 years old. And that's when it kind of um, started hitting me that, you know, he, he really needed to work. It was sad to see him struggling with that. It's really humiliating when you're going through this. Um, that every time you see somebody, the, the only thing they'll ask is, how's the job going? And that's like the last thing you want to hear. I received a note card from Mel indicating that uh, many members of the church were praying for us and that God had a plan for us. And that just, for whatever reason, it just kind of calmed me, reassured me that, you know, this thing was going to be covered by God, not by me, and in his time frame, not my time frame. 
During the time that we were transitioning, we really didn't give any thought to not continuing to contribute at the church. Um, our feeling is that God provides everything that we have anyway and that we're very blessed to be able to give back what is really God's anyway. I remember having a conversation with you and just blessing upon blessing and new grandbabies and all these wonderful things and and we kind of had well had an aha moment like well you know why you know I mean it's not that we don't have hurdles and it's not that we don't have trials um, but you get through them a whole lot easier by being a faithful giver and and God's so faithful to us it just wasn't even really thought about not doing that. Right. Got a call out of the blue from a company wanting to talk to me that I hadn't sent a resume to or contacted, and they were interested in talking to me. And I went and interviewed and got a job with them, and it was a complete blessing for a number of reasons. The uh, position is doing what I love, which is geology. Um, I have more regular hours now than I had before, no more weekends and night work. Um, the compensation and benefit package are very comparable to what I had in my previous position. One of the best things is I'm only 10 minutes from my house, so my commute is almost an hour less than what I had previously. And our cabin property is only 15 minutes from my office so I get to spend a lot of evenings up there as well so it's really worked out well for us. We're the Boffmans and our lives have been made different. I love their story because God is incredibly faithful and good to us. Um, I want to share just a few verses with you tonight. In Luke chapter 12 verse 30 um, Jesus had been had been speaking, and he had just shared um, basically the world's view that that the world is concerned about um, what they're going to live in, what they're going to have, um, what they're going to eat, how they're going to dress, all those kind of things. And and he tries to to shift it a little bit for Christians um, because what he's saying is the world is con is totally focused on what they can consume. The world's view is, how can I get more? How can I have more? How can I consume more? And they're never happy until they get more. And then when they get more, they realize they're still not that happy with it. And they want the bigger and better and brighter. And, and so Jesus walks through this with them. And he says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 30. He says, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. He, he acknowledges there's some of these things you have to have to live. But he says in verse 31, instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. So what he says is the world focuses on what can I get so that I can consume. And Jesus says, no, 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 shift that around. Put God's kingdom first. Make his kingdom your priority. And when you do that, then God will take care of the other stuff. And he he repeats the same thing. You see it in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What he's saying is prioritize your life in the right way. Put first things first. So the first thing we see from these passages tonight is God wants us to think differently. We see in Romans 12 too, it says, uh, be not conformed to this world, but be renewed by, by or be, 
be not conformed. That's why I need to write it down. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What it's saying is don't act like the world. Act different. Be different. Live differently. And the way we live differently is by saying, God, I need you to help the way I think, (laughs) the way I process, the way I view things, the way I value things, the way I love things. Help me come into alignment with the way you do those things. What he's saying is put God first in our lives. Um, I, we're pretty informal around here, obviously, but um, I, I like T-shirts. I'm a blue jeans and T-shirts guy, um, and so I like wearing T-shirts. Now, button-up shirts, um, once in a while I'll do something silly where I will mess up the first button. Have you ever done that before? And you don't realize it until you get to the bottom button and your shirt's all janky. You're like, what in the world? How did I end up with an extra? And you look in the mirror and you're like, whoa, God, come on, your shirt's all messed up. And what happened is you, you missed the first button, right? You got the first button wrong and it messed everything else up. But so many of us in our lives live that way financially. Our financial lives are a mess. And the reason our financial lives are a mess is because we have failed to get the most important thing right, the first thing right. And it's messed up the alignment in the rest of our finances, the rest of our lives. We have to put God's kingdom first above our own. And when we do that, it brings our heart into alignment with God's. It's not that, that when we do that, God will send us a $10,000 check in the mail. It doesn't work like that. If you give a 1000 you're going to get ten. It does not work like that. But did you hear what Donna said in that video? She said, we began realizing how blessed we were with grandbabies with, and she was naming things that were not money. And this is what God does. God blesses us in incredible ways when we put his kingdom first, when we begin to think differently than the world thinks. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, it goes on to say this. Jesus is still preaching, and he says in verse 32, Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you remember, uh, three or four weeks ago I mentioned Jesus referred to us as sheep, and sheep are not intelligent animals. And so again, he refers to us as the little flock, as his sheep. And he doesn't mean this in a condescending way, but, but he's helping us see, hey, you don't, you don't know the things that I know as your shepherd. You don't see the things that I see as your shepherd. So trust me, he says, fear not, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, there are some well-intentioned pastors that will take this verse and say, hey, what this means is everybody's getting a Lincoln. Who wants a Lincoln? Because it's God's intention to give us the kingdom. And that's not what that means. What it means is we have authority in heaven as children of God. Okay? Now, God can trust us with that when he sees our hearts. When you connect it to the previous passage, and and God sees our heart as we begin to invest in his kingdom, as our heart lines up with God's, he says, you know what, I know I can trust you. you got access to the kingdom. You've got access to all the authority that I have. And it causes us to live differently when we know that we're children of the king. We live with a boldness that we never had before. And I think God is calling us to live boldly. He's calling us to think differently, but then he's calling us to live boldly. Um, let me read this verse to you. It's, um, it's Acts chapter 4, verse 33. I read Acts 4.32 last week to you. I'm just kind of continuing that on. Acts 4.33 says this. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the, uh, to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. Now, if you look at this, um, this is a, a continuation on the story. The day of Pentecost happened. Um, the believers, Jesus' disciples, they went out, and there were 3,000 people added to the church in one day. 
The church began to grow like crazy in Jerusalem. Uh, there were home churches all over Jerusalem. There were one church in multiple locations. And they were, they were seeing incredible things happen. But there were logistical issues. There were things that were going on. They said, hey, we need to fix some stuff. We need to iron some things out. But one of the things they got right is it said in verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon all of them. Now, this is what it says. Great power, those two words, the word great um, the Greek is the same word that we would translate today as mega, okay? So if, if I went to uh, the gas station and you pick your gas station, I'm a Sheets fan myself. Um, I, don't, I don't like the $2 drinks now, though. I still like the old fountain drinks that cost less. So anyway, um, so you go into Sheets and you can get the, the medium or the kitty or the medium or whatever the sizes, but I always get the big one, right? I want the big drink because I don't want just a little bit of soda. I don't want, if I'm getting sweet tea, I want the mega, right? I want, I want all the way. I want the biggest one I can get. Again, if you got a headache, you're not taking like, give me the regular strength Tylenol. You know, you're like, give me extra maximum strength, whatever will kill me, back it off. That's what I want, right? We want mega, we want bigger, and this is what it's saying. It's mega, and with mega power, and the word power there, the word that's translated as power could also be, it's the root word that we use for dynamite today. It's, and so imagine this. It says, and with mega dynamite, they were sharing their testimony. With great authority, with great power. This was not some people walking around going, hey, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to hear about Jesus, would you? No, okay, I didn't, I didn't think you would. Never mind, forget it. I was, I was wrong to ask. No, they were, they were bold. They lived boldly in their faith. And, and I don't know about you, but um, talk is cheap a lot of times, right? Because people can say whatever they want, but if they don't back it up with their actions, what difference does it make? And so I believe what happened is they were sharing boldly their testimony of faith of what Jesus had done in their lives, but their actions had to line up with what they said or their testimony would be for not, right? You've met people, you've met Christians in your life that they said they were Christian, but you knew how they lived and you went, I don't think you're a Christian, right? Like, uh, I'm not so sure. Why? Because what they said didn't line up with what they, how they lived. And Jesus wants us to live boldly, to live out a testimony that's life-changing, that's world-changing. He wants us to live with great power. But he says there, and great grace was upon them all. I think the grace of God resides on us when we are doing what he has asked us to do, when we walk boldly in faith, knowing that we can trust God, whether it's the words we say or how we live or how we give, whatever it is, when we trust God and live boldly in faith, that, that he is who he says he is. I believe that grace resides on us. It rests upon us. So, he wants us to think differently. He wants us to live boldly. Let me read this last verse to you. Luke 12, 33 says this. You're gonna love this part. Verse 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old. With a treasure in heaven, that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, um, I don't know about you, when I read this verse and I see the word money bags, don't you think of a rich person when you see the word money bags? Oh, money bags. And I realized where I've thought that is playing Monopoly growing up. There's the, like, the Uncle Money Bags on there. And so I, that's, I just assume money bags. Oh, you got money bags. But at this time, people literally carried their money around in a bag. It was a small bag that they would just carry with them. 
And what would happen in time is that money bag would wear out. Now, some of you guys in this room, you've had the same wallet since the Nixon administration. Um, and then it's time for a change. You stuffed everything in there. It's that thick. You got back problems, okay? Um, that wallet won't wear out. It's bulletproof at this point, right? But money bags in, in ancient times, they wore out. And at times, if they weren't careful, that money bag would, would tear a hole and their money would escape the bag because it would eventually wear out. And, and what we see here from, from Jesus in Luke 12, 33, is he's saying, hey, um, prioritize the right things. He said, sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's way better in God's economy than hoarding everything up and sticking it in your money bag because your money bag is just going to wear out and it's going to drop all your money out anyway. You're going to lose everything you have if you just stuff it in your money bag. That's what he's saying. He says, invest in the things with eternal impact. Because sometimes if we're not careful, we just start stuffing stuff away and we're, hey, I'm going to save for a rainy day. Well, it's not rainy enough. I'm going to keep stuffing away. And we think we're thrifty, but sometimes we're just greedy. So what does he say? He says, realign your vision. He said, don't, don't just live with a view on planet Earth, but live with an eternal view. Because he said, hey, you know what? It's all going to waste away here. But in heaven, when we invest eternally, it will not waste away. And verse 34 says, for your treasure is there, will be your heart also. I think what Jesus is saying here is we need to give freely. And this is not just financially, because some people, it's easy for them to write a check or to drop some money in the boxes, but if, if somebody asked you to serve, hey, we need some help in the kids' department. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm sorry. I give. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, we see in Scripture, it says um, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. And what that means is we are excited to give. So what happens is sometimes somebody will write a check, but they do it gritting their teeth. They're like... All right, fine, and this will keep God off my back. Or you drop some money in the offering box as you leave, and you're kind of like, oh, I can't believe I had to do that again this week. See, what the thing is, is you've missed the point. The point is that our hearts will come into alignment with God. It's not that we will manipulate money out of your hand, because if we're not willing to serve, if we're not willing to give with a joyful heart, we are missing the point, because God wants our hearts more than he needs our money. See, I am... Can I confess something to you tonight? I'm a book hoarder. Um, when we moved here, I got rid of a whole bunch of books, like hundreds of books. And I don't know why, but I'm a book hoarder. And so I will buy books and I will justify it because I'll go, oh, they're cheap. I can get a book for two bucks or three bucks. And I like the old school books that you can like break the binding on and read. I'm not crazy about the e-books. So I will buy books and buy books and buy books and I will justify it because it's helping me become a better man and a better pastor and a better Christian and all those kind of things. Um, but it is, it is clear that I like to buy books when you see how many books I've got. And I don't have a ton here, but I've got a bunch. Now, <laughs> it is not hard for me to spend money on books because I like books, right? But money will fly out of my pockets for books. Nobody has to convince me to buy books. My, my wife does not have to say, babe, maybe it's time for you to just buy some books. I'm like, fine, I'll buy some books. Why? Because I love doing it, right? And, it, and it's easy. Some of you, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on your toes now. Some of you, it's hunting season. What are you doing here on a Saturday night? It's hunting season, right? Some of you, you spend thousands of dollars on a, on a deer blind, on, on a ride. Some of you are like, hey, you need to back off right now, man. 
the right equipment, the right gun, the right cam, all the things. you got to get it right, and you will spend lots of money on it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Money will fly out of your pockets for it, and the reason is because you love it. But when it comes to church, every time you hear a message like this, you think that greedy pastor, they're just trying to get my money. No, no, this is not a money message. This is a ministry message. This is about us seeing every life made different. That's what this is about. So what we have to understand is um, our heart goes with our treasure, whether we like it or not. And the question is, what are we treasuring as a church? What are you treasuring as an individual? I heard somebody say recently, our checkbook is a diary of our affections. And when I heard that, I was convicted because my checkbook will tell you that I really love eating out a lot, right? Let's be honest. What would your checkbook say about your affections? I would take it a step further. Your calendar probably tells you something about your affections too, where you spend your time, where you spend your, re- your energy, where you spend your talents. Because at the end of the day, none of this is about a building. None of this is about uh, starting more churches. This is all about saying, God, I am yours. I trust you. And I want to see every life made different. Because this is the thing. We're going to do some incredible things as a church. God's going to empower us to do incredible things as a church. But he's going to use every single one of us to do it. Every single one of us have a part to play in this. Every single one of us have a step to take in this if we're willing to. Last week, um, you got a a bag like this one if you were here. If you were not here last week, they're going to have some bags like this outside. As you're going out the door tonight, they'll have these. It's got um, pictures of the potential building. It's got some of our plans, all those kind of things in here. Uh, One of the things that's in there, I mentioned it last week, is an intention card. Now, before you freak out, I'm not asking for anything tonight. I'm not asking you to do anything tonight. But what we've got is an intention card. And on this intention card, on the back, it's got a stair step just like you saw up here. It's got this generosity pathway just like you see on, these, on these, this ladder up here. On the other side, it says intention card. Now I want to point something out to you. It says intention card. It doesn't say promise or pledge or commitment, okay? This is what you are intending to give over the next two years. And so uh, if you're here today and you don't do anything, then it makes it real easy to say, here's what I want to start doing over the next couple of years. Here's what I feel like God is leading me to do. And it's got another line below that. It says, uh, because of the expanded vision of the church, I want to expand my giving some as well. So here's what I would expand my giving to. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's going to take some of us saying, you know what? Uh, I believe in this thing so much that I want to expand my giving. I believe in what God is doing here. I want to be part of that in a bigger way. And so we need some of you to step up and say, hey, I want to be a part of that. On the line below that, it says uh, the total times two for two years, and then that total goes there on the right. But the next line down, this might scare you a little bit, it says gift from stored resources. Um, Now, a lot of you might be thinking, what in the world does that mean? Let me just make it really easy for you. This is where you can get creative and say, what do we have that that we don't need that we could sell and give to the kingdom? Um, This is a place where you can say, um, um, maybe you got a piece of equipment in your basement, something you're never going to use. Maybe you've got a, uh, a, a, I don't know, I'm a baseball nerd, so maybe you've got a autographed baseball from somebody. I've got one from Daryl Strawberry. Um, And so whatever it is, you say, hey, you know what, I don't need this, I can sell it. Maybe you've got a kid that you know they're probably not going to college, so you can just get rid of it, liquidate their college fund. It's okay, they're not going to college anyway. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) 
Well, what we want you to do is just be creative. I, I talked to a woman a couple weeks ago, and I've told this story to a few people, but what she said was this. As we were talking about that, she said, you know what, Pastor Mel, I've got a storage unit. It's full of junk that I'm never going to use. She said, what if I sold all the stuff in the storage unit, gave the money to the church, and then started writing a check to the church for $100 a month instead of the storage company? And I said, that's a great idea. I love that idea. And she said, that won't even cost me anything. It's not even going to dip into what I'm already paying because... I'm just going to give it to the church instead of the storage company. And I said, that's a great idea. But that's what that line is about, is saying, hey, what creatively can we do to say, here's what else I'm going to do toward the church. And then the last box there is just the total, the total over two years. Now, this is why this is important. Let me just explain this to you. Um, we have to be able to budget for the next two years what that's going to look like for us. And so that's why these cards are important. Because I know some of you are sitting here and you go, it's between me and God, it's none of your business. And I totally get that and I understand it. Um, but for us to be able to budget what's coming in and what we're gonna be doing for the next couple of years, for us to plan like I hope you would like us to, we, we need to know as accurately as possible what we have coming in. So that's why we need every person who calls this place home to fill one of these cards out. The other reason this is important is because when we get all of our intention cards in, we can go to the bank and say, hey, bank, we're ready to start building this building. Here's what we have projected over the next two years. We need a construction loan to start the steel going up and get this thing started because we don't want to take three years to build this thing. We want to get this done by the end of next year. By the end of 2016, we want to be occupying this. And so that's why those intention cards are so important. Now, again, I'm not asking you for those tonight. I'm not even asking you for those next week. Uh, we're asking you to bring these. Um, Halloween night is a Saturday night. That's the 31st of October. Or Sunday, November 1st is when we're going to ask for these. I'll mention that again. Um, but... We want you to start praying right now and say, God, what would you have me do? Um, what would you speak to me to do? What is my part in this thing? Because everybody's part is going to look a little diff bit different. Everybody's role is going to look a little different, and that's okay. We're not asking you to do crazy things. We're asking you to do exactly what God speaks to you to do. Um, I've told several people, if all of us in this church will just say, God, I'm going to hear from you, and I'm going to be faithful to what you're asking me to do, we're going to be just fine in this process. We're, we're going to have more than enough money to do what God's calling us to do. We're going to be able to do the expanded vision and then some. We're going to be able to reach people like crazy. We're going to be able to do some incredible things if we're just say, going to say yes to God and be uh, faithful to what he's asking us to do. So that's what we're asking you to do over the next few weeks. Just pray and say, God, speak to me. Let me hear your voice, and then help me say yes to whatever it is you speak to me. Um, you know, honestly, um, these messages are not super fun for me to preach because I really prefer to preach messages on grace or mercy or, uh, you know, some of those kind of things. But these messages are necessary, not because we're trying to build something, because discipleship and stewardship are connected, whether we like it or not. If we're not willing to be a good steward, it probably means we're not willing to be a disciple. And that's not fun to say, but it's true. So I just want to challenge you tonight to take a step in your faith. Trust God. See what God will do in your life. As you say yes to God, I believe that God's going to do incredible things in your life. He's going to minister in you. He's going to use you. He's going to do some cool things if you will just trust him and say yes to what he's asking you to do. Why don't you bow your head and close your eyes tonight. Lord, thank you for your incredible goodness to us. Thank you for your generosity to us. Thank you that you've held nothing back from us. God, I pray, Lord, we would just... Respond to your generosity, respond to your love, respond to your mercy in a way that would bring glory to you. God, thank you for loving us with an unending love, with an unending passion. God, I pray that our whole life would reflect that. Lord, it wouldn't just be our words, but Lord, let it be our actions. Let it be our intentions of our heart as well. Lord, let every bit of us reflect your glory to this world. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.